You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and welcome to our Bears-Buccaneers postgame show. The final whistle just blew, and our Bears blew out the Bucks 48-10 to in, a, in a historic outing at Soldier Field. I can't wait to break down this game with you. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and to help me talk about everything we saw today, I have two of my Bears brothers right here with me as I'm joined by Brandon Hazlett. And Will Ingles, Nicholas Moriano is at the game today, so we are two Wills and a Brandon, but we are here going to break down this epic game that unfolded in front of us. And guys, before we jump right into our opening drive, I got to know real quick, did you expect anything like what we saw today? Because I did not expect anything remotely this close. I thought the Bears would win, but not dominance on both sides of the ball like this. Yeah, certainly did not expect a win like this in this fashion, which definitely, you know, not complaining about it. <laughs> I love blowout wins. Um, no, I didn't anticipate them putting up 48 points in general, let alone only giving up 10 to this prolific offense that Tampa's got. So very well done. Well, what about you, Will? Uh, I know you did. You had the Bucks winning, right? Yeah, I had the Bucks winning. I actually had the. I was very uh, pessimistic going into this game. I was kind of just hoping for a way to have the Bears end up three and one by the end of the day, and I didn't really care how it happened. But you know, then coming out of today with an absolute statement win, did not expect this at all. Um, I had a few people who asked my thoughts before the game texting me at around halftime saying, "Well, I don't think you're going to be right on this one," and I said I couldn't be happier about that being true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think everyone in our group chat said the same exact thing. Like, this is what I'm thinking, but if the Bears end up 
losing. I will obviously be down for that. But I will go ahead and jump right into our opening drive here. As you can tell, my nerves are a little shot in the best way possible, but it's a great feeling to have. But let's just go right into our monster moment. And my monster moment this week, I actually forgot to put one down, so I'm going to go on the fly here. Uh, the Bears' second touchdown of the day, right after they had a three-play, negative seven-yard drive. I think Trubisky being able to command that next drive. Seven plays, 73 yards. Uh, that's when he hit uh, – who, who did he get in that drive? He had Cohen. Uh, he had – Robinson, and then he had that 14-yard touchdown to Robinson to cap it off. I think that's my monster moment because after the Bears scored a touchdown and then had a negative drive and then ended up coming back out and scoring another one, that kind of resiliency. And then, of course, we know exactly what happened after that. But that moment to kind of just take all the momentum back and then, of course, you saw the confidence kind of rise, and Trubisky kind of put on a clinic afterwards for me. Uh, that 14-yard touchdown to Allen Robinson, which was a beautiful throw, by the way, in the back of the end zone, is going to be my monster moment for this week's victory. Brandon, over to you. I know you have the stat of the game. You have so much to choose from. What do you got? I think I'm going to go with the easy one here with the six touchdowns by Mitch Trubisky. I was a little disappointed they didn't try to go for seven, put him in that uh, exclusive group of a handful of guys who have thrown for seven touchdowns in a game. Uh, but regardless, he had five by halftime, which I think silenced a lot of his, his critics. So if I'll just go ahead and say it now because I said it before it went live. But if you have anything to bash on Trubisky in this one, then shame on you. Uh, this is what Mr. Patience here has been preaching. Just be patient. It's going to come. It might have been against a weaker defense, but you know what? He showed a lot of great things today and a lot of things I think are going to continue to come. So the uh, six touchdowns that he threw throughout this game really, really shows, I think, what potential he has uh, in this one. So six touchdowns for Mr. Trubisky is my stat of the game. Yeah, it's an easy stat to go with. And I don't yeah. know if bash was the right B word that you used before we started going live, but I'm going to make this. Yeah, I don't think that's the word I used either. No, it's a smart one to use on the podcast. Let's go over here to Mr. Ingles and uh, just give us the lowdown. Why did the Bears win this game? Two words, complimentary football. I think this is something that we've looked at as the potential for this roster from the moment we really got into, you know, the offseason. And then, of course, the Khalil Mack trade just added more, you know, steam to that train heading down the track. If the offense shows not exactly putting up 48 points a game, you know, if they do that with the defense we have, I think think we'll end up 15-1 and by the end of the year. But regardless, if you have both of these phases and then special teams also executing their part as well, uh, this can be a very dangerous team. But that's especially how they got the victory today. Yeah, you're right. Complimentary football. Both sides were taking care of business. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. And now, of course, you know, Nicholas Moriano, he's not here, but I still want us to kind of pay tribute to him. And let's all just give a, either a Nick Snack or a Nick Snack. Brandon, what do you got? You better have a knack. Oh, I've got a knack. I've got a knack for uh, Tariq Cohen. I mean, he had 86 yards, I think, coming into this one, and he had more than half of that just in rushing yards today. And this was a guy that we said needs to be incorporated into the offense a little bit more because he's such a weapon. And there's one play that stands out to me, the wide-open Josh Bellamy touchdown, where Trubisky pump fakes it to him, and as soon as Tariq Cohen knows that he's not getting the ball, he puts his arms up for a touchdown because he knows Josh Bellamy is wide open because both the Buccaneers defenders on that side went down to defend Tariq Cohen because they have a lot more respect for him than Josh Bellamy. Uh, So just the, the game that Tree Cohen had today uh, is really going to be the, the knack that I have. He played an excellent game today, got uh, used the way that I think we should continue to see him get used in the future and a uh, big part of this offense today. 
Absolutely. What about you, Mr. Ingles? Do you have a knack? Yeah, I'm going to give this knack to Matt Nagy's play calling. And I think that has a lot to do with exactly what uh, Brandon said, with Tariq Cohen kind of being the feature back today. A lot of people think Jordan Howard, especially with his receiving prowess that he's shown early on, would be the guy who would be, you know, being the workhorse uh, for this game. But it was Tariq Cohen for the most part. And if when I was looking at it, you think of the best players on this Buccaneers defense at this point. It's got to be Levante David as their linebacker. Gerald McCoy is their defensive tackle and Jason Pierre-Paul is the defensive end. What's the best way to get those players out of the game is to have a guy like Tariq Cohen that can get side to side really fast and kind of take those guys out of the game. Additionally, you saw a lot of deeper routes developing downfield, really challenging that beat up secondary by Tampa Bay. Nagy knew where to hit the Buccaneers hard and he did it early and often throughout this game. Scoreboard lit up as a result. So knack to Mr. Nagy's game plan. Yeah, I don't have the exact stat, but like the Bears, they only had a handful of plays that went for 20 plus. And in the first half, they blew that out of the water in just that, you know, the first 30 minutes of this game. So attacking that weak secondary, knowing they're vulnerable and just, you know, beating them over the top, I agree, is something that the Bears uh, knew coming in that they can exploit. And they did it. They did it really well. For me, I'm going to give someone some love who doesn't usually get some love. And that's going to be Bilal Nichols because he. You know, he didn't play a ton of snaps today, um, but when he did, and he got more playing time after Akeem Hicks got ejected, and we'll talk about that later on in the show, but he came in and he finished with a very similar stat line to Cleo Mack. Both had four total tackles, uh, three solo. Uh, Mack had a sack, Bilal Nichols had a half a sack, but Nichols had an extra tackle for a loss, and they both had one quarterback hit on the day. So for Bilal Nichols, every time he was out there, uh, he was making his presence felt, either it be a big run stuff, getting after the quarterback. Uh, there's this one play I really like that I want to talk about when we get to the defensive discussion that he was like mirroring a running back who was just leaking out and was able to make that for a tackle for a loss too. For Blow Nichols being this year's fifth you know, round pick out of Delaware, for him to come out here and play like a veteran, very savvy with his game, that's going to be my neck for today. All right, guys, so the last thing we need to do in the first quarter of our postgame show here is hand out our MVB and this better doggone B consensus. Brandon? Cleo Mack or Mitch Trubisky? Could Jeez. go to either one. Those are the cop-out ones. So, you know what? I'm actually going to go without the consensus one. I'm going to stick with my knack with Tariq Cohn because, like I said, he only had 86 yards uh, for the year coming into this one, and he finished the day with 174 total yards receiving and rushing the ball today. So, uh, real good job by him, running a lot of good, clean, smooth routes played a very pivotal uh, centerpiece to this offense today, which I think was uh, very much needed that we needed to see him come out today like he did. So MVB goes to Tariq Cohen. Wow. Ruined my plans. Will? <laughs> yeah, polite of you to go with another name because there's no doubt in my man, this is going to Mitchell Trubisky. He's taken a ton of fire in the media, and you could say deservedly so for the first three weeks. He's definitely had his struggles, man. He came out today, and he was on fire from start yep. to finish. Hats off to Mitch Trubisky, MVB by a mile. Absolutely. Mitchell Trubisky, of course, is going to be my MVB as well. 19-26, 354 yards, averaging 13.6 yards per pass, six touchdowns, as we already know, and a rating of 154.7. Mitchell Trubisky ran this offense to a T, did everything that he was supposed to do, hit those open receivers, uh, something that we have been you know, noticing he hasn't done to this point, and today he did that. A few balls sailed, but when you're looking at the overall score and the overall performance by Trubisky, I'm not even going to even think about those throws twice tonight. But when you see the six touchdowns out of 26 passes, that's like a touchdown almost every four passes. That's insane. Never saw that with some other quarterbacks here in Chicago. Just saying. But Trubisky, of course, is going to be my MVB. 
All right, well, that's going to do it for the first quarter of our postgame show. we got a lot to get to, especially about that Bears offense here in the second quarter. But before we do, I need to call a quick timeout. I know we want to get to that offensive talk as quickly as possible. And uh, But first, got to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person. I'm sure you wish you were in person today as well at Soldier Field. And SeatGeek, they'll get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers had the SeatGeek apps on our phones, our devices. Check it out on the web as well. It's by far the easiest way that we've been able to search for tickets. We can be anywhere, pull our phones, open up the app within a few clicks, check out all the Chicago Bears tickets that are available. Of course, you can do that for the Cubs. You can do that for Blackhawks that are coming up, Chicago Bulls, or of course, any team or anything you're actually looking for no matter where you reside. And of course, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Plus, every purchase, it's fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And one last one last pull here. Uh, we are going to, the bi- after the bye week, we're going to head down to Miami. And if you're wanting to go travel for a game, ruin that 3-1 and one Chicago Bears heading after, you know, after the bye in Miami, which is going to be a really good game. We're going. We have about 30, 40 other Bears fans who are going to go with us, and we would love to see you there. There's still plenty of amazing deals on tickets, so definitely check them out before they are no longer available. And the best part of all, our listeners, they get $20 off that first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Alrighty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by my Bears Brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Will Ingles. The three of us are breaking down the Bears' blowout victory against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and now it's time to dive into our discussion on the Bears' offense that put up 38 of its 48 at halftime and 400 yards, all led by Mitchell Trubisky, who just put on a clinic. And by the way, guys, those four first half, uh, 400 first half yards, most of our lifetime. The last time that ever happened was 1991. So I want to know, offense, any opening thoughts to kind of kick this thing off? Because we can take this conversation in so many directions. I know it all circles back to number 10. But Brandon, how do you want to open up our offensive discussion? Well, it was just so nice to see them put points up. I mean, I was trying to look back when the last time the Bears even scored 40, and I think it was 2013. Uh, so it was just really refreshing to be able to see some some life put back into an offense. And even though, you know, I think people will say the common criticism uh, is going to be that the Bucks defense is weak, but. But so what? I think that there were a lot of flashes shown, and this was a, a very defiant win going into a bye week. I think we really made a statement in this one, especially with the offense. Yeah, you're you're damn right we made a statement. This is a All statement right. game for the Chicago Bears uh, on both sides of the ball. I understand Tampa was a little bit weak on defense, and they gave up a lot of points, but not 48. So that's, you know, kudos to Matt Nagy for that. Uh, Will, how about you? Uh, what was maybe some of your bigger takeaways from the offense today as a whole? Uh, it kind of goes right back to that scoring points that uh, Brandon just mentioned. And my little trivia that I'm going to throw to the people who are listening live right now, I, we had a little bit of fun with this in the group chat uh, before we went live, but it's uh, the Bears scored 24 points in the second quarter. And we, everyone who watched Monday night's game, Tampa Bay versus uh, Pittsburgh, knows that Tampa Bay could come back. They are a, they're very big, capable of scoring a lot of points very quickly. But that 24-point second quarter – really kind of put that game out of reach uh, and convinced the Tampa Bay staff that Fitzmagic needs to sit down and Jameis Winston's going to come in. We're not going to play to win this game. We're just going to try to get our hopeful franchise quarterback some time. But the question is, when is the last time the Bears scored 
more than 24 points in a single quarter. Uh, and then I will give the answer when we finish up our offensive segment here. But Ooh. that was just what really caught my eye was just, holy cow. I mean, they really just put the game out of reach. And when you score that many points in a single quarter, it's tough for a team to be able to come back from that. And that's exactly what the Bears did. They ended this game before halftime even hit. And that's big when you have an offense on the other sideline like Tampa Bay's. Yeah, I mean, we know Tampa was already one-dimensional on offense for them, but knowing they have to pass now to even try to catch up and they don't even have a ground game to work with, of course, helps this Bears defense, but I'm getting way ahead of myself because we were talking about the Bears offense. Uh, For me, some of my bigger takeaways, uh, not just those big plays that I already talked about, but just, Brandon, you said scoring points. They had four offensive touchdowns in the first three games combined. They had six tonight. Well, today. I'm used to having night games, but... uh, yeah, six touchdowns today for the Bears. Trubisky just was able to do everything we needed out of him. And guys, I don't think there's any better way to just dive right into our positional talk than right now with True. Brandon, what's your big takeaway from Trubisky's game besides the touchdowns? Like, what did he do so well today to put this offense not just in a position to succeed, but also to capitalize something that they haven't done to this point uh, beforehand? Your, go ahead. I think something before the snap even gets to Trubisky, uh, something that may go unnoticed. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TemperPedic.com. How many times on a hard count he got guys to jump to either an encroachment or neutral zone infraction? I don't. I didn't count how many throughout the game, but that really said. You know, when you get those five easy yards, we seen it the first time uh, in the second drive. This was actually the one drive that I had that Trubisky. You know, I kind of started. I was like, well, you know, he's under a lot of fire. Let's see if I can find any negatives because you find what you're looking for. And this was the only bad drive I had by him was the second drive. They got the on the first play. They got Vita Vey to jump for the encroachment. Uh, then the handoff. Then he airmailed the pass to Javon Wims. And I thought that was a real critical play in that drive. Bears not going three and out. But that was the start of seeing a lot of encroachment penalties and neutral zone infractions by the defense because Trubisky just, I don't know if, I guess I've never paid much attention to their snap counts, but when he gave a hard one, he got guys to jump a lot quicker, and I think that uh, slowed down the pass rush some and was able to help uh, him and the offensive line be able to buy more time throughout the entirety of the game. Yeah, no, his cadence is something that at least I and I have some other people as well wanted to see improved because uh, throughout the first three weeks, every defense kind of caught on to what he was doing. They're able to time the snap, which really, of course, is not ideal for any offense in the league. But for him today to do that, to change his cadence, to use that hard count, to draw him off sides, to make him, you know, they're not pinning their ears back, knowing exactly when you're going to snap that football. No, it's you're, that's a really good point, Brandon, because when you do that, it just slows down that pass rush a little bit. And I think that's why, you know, after that sack on that drive you're talking about, you didn't seem to get taken down the turf for the rest of the game. Let's go over to Will. I want to know, uh, what did Trubisky do today um, that was just the difference between what we saw in weeks one to three compared to, of course, now here in week four? Well, this kind of goes off a little bit of what Brandon said earlier. When he got those uh, those defenders to jump offside, that creates a first and five, which is a perfect time to take a shot downfield. And this is the first time this season that we have seen Trubisky hit those shots downfield. We had a lot of out and ups, a couple real routes that Trubisky executed on. And that really opened up the, the lower intermediate routes and also shallow routes as well that Nagy in a West Coast type of system loves to utilize. 
but it's tough to execute those. It's tough to be able to get some yards after the catch on those short intermediate throws when you have the defense, you know, coming up to make those tackles. But when you make them respect you deep, and that's exactly what Trubisky did, those windows start to open up. And we saw that a lot today. You mentioned to start off the show is that there were a bunch of plays over 20 yards today. When you have those and you have a an offense that utilizes space in the way that Matt Nagy does, it's it's almost game over if you're going to give up big plays against this offense that that are just you know from the point of the throw and not yards after catch. Man, that's that's a lot of field to defend if you start giving up those deep balls. And Trubisky for the first time this year hit them, and that's something we criticized a lot during camp was that that accuracy on the deep ball. He was on the money for the most part today. I know Brandon mentioned the miss uh, to Wims, which yeah he missed him. But overall, deep balls are tough to throw in the NFL. And I think there was one uh, when it was closing down in the first half or maybe it was the very start of the third quarter where he just hit uh, Taylor Gabriel. And that was an anticipation throw. He was thrown to where Gabriel was going to be in about 15 yards, provided Gabriel had to dive to make the catch. That is not an easy throw to make. Throw someone open 20 yards from where they're going to be. And that's that takes some special talent and a very good throw. And I think we saw a lot of those out of Trubisky. Very, very much a confidence-building routine and performance when it comes to the deep ball by Trubisky, and that's my biggest thing I saw him do. No, absolutely. The deep ball is fin- you know, fantastic. You just look at the longs today. For Tariq Cohen, his longest catch is 35. Gabriel, 33. Trey Burton had a 47. And then, of course, another one to Bellamy, which was 20, which was a touchdown. So just taking those deep shots, capitalizing, having the accuracy, putting, like you said, anticipation throws, and putting the ball in the money, it's just it's exactly what we wanted, and you can tell he looked more confident out there, which I'm going to talk about how this affects his confidence moving forward. Obviously, it's going to be positive. Um, but just fun facts, uh, his six touchdowns today, remember, he only had seven all of last year as a rookie in those 12 starts. So that's like 85.7% of his exact total of his rookie season just happened in this 60 minutes. And also my bold prediction that he's going to get three touchdowns. He made that look like mild, like ridiculously <laughs> mild. And so... I feel like, well, I mean, at least my bold prediction is right, but when he doubles it, I mean, holy crap, that's exciting to see out of your quarterback. But you guys hit on all the really the good stuff today, right? I mean, he was hitting the throws. He was being able to anticipation. I think it all comes down to, because they said they simplified the book, you know, the playbook, and he had the quarterback wrist on today. And I think part of it was simplifying the play calls in terms of like getting it in and out of the huddle, because you can see they're getting in and out of the huddle quick. They're doing a little bit more tempo. So you can just look down his wrist, you know, call a number and the offense knows like, Oh, number 10 this week is whatever, or just getting it out there quicker because perhaps, cause you know how colorful this playbook could be in some of these play calls, maybe got him thinking a little bit too much, having to spit all of that back out. So simplify things. They had it in front of them. And a few times today, he made some really good audibles as well. When he would change the play at the line of scrimmage and the bears were able to pick up a nice gain as well. Brandon, I know you've been Mr. Mr. Patience, and this is definitely a coming out party for Trubisky. But let's kind of project this forward. Of course, throwing six touchdowns in any game, five and one half, is going to you know take your confidence through the roof. But of course, you want to kind of limit that. You don't want to get you know a big head, which there's nothing that Trubisky's ever done that would ever make me think that's what's going to happen here. But what kind of what kind of game like this kind of game? What could that do for his confidence moving forward? And of course, not just his, but the rest of this offense. Well, it's huge because. Uh, like Will talked about earlier with the difficulty of throws, he had a lot of tough balls today. That one to Allen Robinson in the end zone for Robinson's first touchdown as a bear. That was He put that only where Allen Robinson was going to catch that. And those are ones that I think he would typically fall short on, I think, if we were to go back and look at it in training camp or preseason. Uh, the only other one that he missed to Robinson was was short. Other than that, I mean, he was on, on target for Allen Robinson all day. Uh, the Taylor Gabriel one where he had to lay out, like Will mentioned earlier. Uh, he missed the one pitch and catch, like I said, to Williams. But outside of those two, 
that I said that he missed. I mean, everything was just right on the money. And I think that those are big confidence boosters going forward, obviously, because uh, we've seen the amount of points he could put up, just the amount of confidence we've seen in him today. After that first touchdown drive, I think they showed on TV where Trubisky comes out and he's giving guys high fives. Like it just does so much for his confidence. He's out there having fun. And that's really when he's going to be at his best. Uh, I think simplifying the playbook makes that uh, a lot easier too because it's things that he's seen in practice repeatedly. Uh, so then he's able to go out there and just just sling it and not have to think twice as compared to some of the plays we've seen where he gets the happy feet because I guess he's not 100% sure where exactly guys are supposed to be. Uh, so I really think that uh, the two things we already touched on, the, the simplifying the playbook and the difficulty of throws, I think, is the big one. Uh, if he can continue to do those and not turn the ball over, we didn't see any interceptions today from him. I think those are two very big things that are going to help this offense going forward. As long as guys keep running clean routes, I mean, I think Trubisky's going to find him, especially later on down the road. All right, well, over to you, but real quick, uh, if you want to extrapolate this out to four games, via Jonathan Wood on Twitter, uh, if you take his stats to the first four games and like look forward, the projected stats now, th- 3,800 yards, 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Sounds like a solid year that would really put the Bears in a prime position uh, come the late end of December. So say we want to get there. What are some things that Trubisky did today that he should take away from it as things that he should continue to do moving forward on a more consistent basis? Uh, that's directed at me, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, just making sure. Uh, for me, it's exactly what Brandon was talking about. It's that confidence. I think we saw through those first three games, there was a lot of times that Trubisky wasn't confident in what he was doing. There was that first half against Green Bay that we saw he was confident. We saw, like Brandon also mentioned, he was having fun. You know, that's Trubisky at his best. And I think that's why Coach Nagy's so good for uh, such a good fit for him is that both those guys just have fun playing football. And if he's able to keep that, you know, that positivity, that momentum, that's going to be what we see Trubisky uh, exploit if he's going to have that kind of statistical year that you just mentioned. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's kind of take this to the next step. Let's talk about some of these targets because obviously, you know, Trubisky had a great game, but so do some of his receivers as well today. Um, In particularly, Tariq Cohen, Taylor Gabriel, the two combined for 14 catches, over 130 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, They were targeted 15 times. So think about that. Trubisky targeted those two receivers. I'm going to call Cohen a receiver in this regard. Uh, 15 times, only missed one of those balls and was able to put up over 230 yards just to those two receivers by themselves. So Brandon, over to you. Uh, which receiver stood up the most to you today and why? I said Tariq Cohen a lot at the beginning of the show. Yeah. I'm actually going to go with Tariq, Tariq, yeah, Taylor Gabriel uh, in this one because he's not a guy that we've seen uh, Trubisky rely on so heavily. We've seen him try to hit Gabriel in some of the deeper uh, plays through the first three weeks, but in this one, I mean, he, it clicked for him. Uh, and usually we see you know him throw it to Allen Robinson on some of those deeper routes or those intermediate routes because he knows that Allen Robinson has the size and the fight to go up and get a 50-50 ball. But today, Taylor Gabriel was a little more open. Uh, he was a lot more reliable, which we've seen, which was the reason we brought him in because he brings the quarterback rating up whenever quarterbacks throw it to him was a statistic that I threw out, I think, in the preview show as well as when we signed him as a free agent. Uh, so I think that was really just was big, finding another guy that he can rely on because Allen Robinson today only had two receptions on four targets. So he relied on Taylor Gabriel, who was the next best guy, seven for seven today for 104 yards and two touchdowns. And why not go to the hot hand? So, I mean, once he gets in a rhythm with a guy, I don't know why you would, would break it unless the defense has to make you force and make an adjustment otherwise. Will, why were they so open today? Was it a play calling? Was it just a very vulnerable secondary, good combination of both? What did these receivers do to find themselves in these positions? I think you said exactly that. It's a, it's a combination of both. And like I mentioned, when you hit one of those deep balls, I mean, that just makes the defense spread out all that much more. 
Nagy's offense has always capitalized on getting receivers into space, and he has the athletes that excel in space. You mentioned that right at the start of the segment with Taylor Gabriel, Tariq Cohen. Those are guys that once they get into space, uh, I'm not I'm not happy as an open field tackler. You know, as a linebacker myself, open field tackling is not something I like to specialize in. I like to keep those guys in as tight of quarters as possible, especially as slippery as uh, Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohen are. So. Uh, those first few plays really expanded that space, but it also has to do with receivers running crisp routes. And I think uh, you mentioned this earlier, Will, with that that meeting between Trubisky and uh, Nagy, kind of condensing that playbook, making routes that, uh, as Mitch mentioned, he's most comfortable with the plays that he's repped the most. You know, the, these are plays that the receivers have had a lot of reps in. A lot of plays that Trubisky knows exactly where they will be on the break. You know, a lot of those tight tightly thrown balls hit in stride, letting the receivers exploit that space that they are running into. I think that's a lot of why we saw the success out of these receivers and how open they were on a lot of occasions this afternoon. Yeah, no doubt for me, you know, you look at Allen Robinson's stats and, you know, he has the two catches, 23 yards, the touchdown overall comparing the rest of the offense. It's a little underwhelming, but as a fan, I would encourage you not to really get discouraged by it because coming in, he was by far the most prolific weapon that we had in this offense and the most consistent and for the Bears to find ways to do what they did today without having to rely on that, um, is this going to really pay dividends, I believe, down the road? Because now you're getting confidence, uh, like Brandon was saying, and some of these guys, Trubisky can kind of go to them a little bit more and not have to rely on Robinson so much. So then defenses, and this is the whole point of this offense that they built this offseason, was you have so many playmakers, how do you cover them all? And then they're going to defense is just going to have to choose, like, well, we're going to take away Robinson today. Okay, cool. But also, that's going to open up a Tariq Cohen. That's going to open up a Taylor Gabriel. A, of course, even a Trey Burton that we haven't even talked about yet because Trey Burton had himself a very fine first half of football today. So, B, I know you unmuted, so I don't know if you have a point or do you want to talk about Trey Burton? I was going to wait till you made your point, but uh, Will brought something up that was interesting that you kind of touched on as well, uh, hitting some of these other guys. Uh, Nagy does a good job of getting his players into space. And we've seen guys like Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohen be able to get into space because of the route running that they were doing. Uh, something I think might go overlooked. Uh, a lot of double moves today by both these guys. A lot of, you know, looking like they're going to be out routes and they just cut forward and explode and then they're wide open. And, and those are things that I think we're going to have to be able to continue to watch as how well do the receivers help Trubisky as well, uh, be able to run in good, clean routes. Will, you play linebacker. Tariq Cohen is a freak, you know, a freak as an athlete. Um, how are those wheel routes, how, compl- how difficult are they to defend, especially with a guy like Cohen? Well, you you just be just brought it up with uh, how you expect kind of these uh, shorter and intermediate routes that we've saw throughout the first three weeks of the year. So you see Tariq Cohen kind of shooting out to the flat. You know, Trey, uh, Trey Burton had another one where it was an out and up concept. You see them flaring out into the flat and it's just like, OK, I have them. You know, they're going out to the flat. And then especially with a guy like Cohen to burst up the sideline. You know, the, a guy with like Tariq Cohen has burst. A linebacker like myself does not have that burst. <laughs> You know, the second that burst happens, it's like, oh, I really hope he underthrows this one because I got some ground to make up. And even when you read a wheel route correctly, like you're given space, you have your hips turned the right way that you're able to turn and run. That's not an easy route to be able to defend still because a wheel route, you're still covering your vertical route, but you're still trying to recover and kind of close that space as you're reading the wheel route. It's tough to have your eye on both the receiver and the quarterback because for the most part, you want your linebackers in a zone drop for the most part, unless they're covering a running back or tight end kind of running a crossing route over the middle, in which case they're running to you, not running away from you, which is what makes a real route really tough for a linebacker to cover. 
So I think those are just a few of the things that make it really tough because a linebacker is not used to going back to the quarterback, looking at the receiver. Because when you have a receiver and man coverage, the worst thing you can do is look back at the quarterback. That's a lot of times where you see that last little bit of separation or you see a ball get tucked into a place where it shouldn't be because the linebacker thinks that they have enough space covered up. Well, guess what? When you look at the quarterback, that gives that receiver a chance to make that space up. So you kind of see a lot of times a linebacker looking one way, then the other, then one way, then the other because they're not used to being put in that situation a whole lot of times. And that's exactly what uh, Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky and uh, the likes of Burton and Cohen specifically today did to the linebackers a few times. And it's extremely successful, A, when you're able to get guys like that in that kind of position, scheme them up with routes like they did the first three weeks with short intermediate out routes. And then last but not least, we're going to talk about this a lot more, but get the protection to be able to have a wheel route develop, which is really important, and we saw that happen all day long. Yeah, and don't forget the wheel route, especially with Cohen, is something that he missed week one against Green Bay. He was open. He had a step. He didn't throw it. Now I think that was stressed a little bit, like, hey, if these guys, you got to hit it. And he did. Uh, so for Trubisky to recognize it and hit him, you know, it's definitely another sign of progress. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep. All night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. I mean, I think we saw a lot of signs of progress today, but just another small one. Looking at, you know, what, Trey Burton, two catches, 86 yards. uh, That comes out to a 43 yards per catch average, which... Of course, it's astronomical. Uh, he was pretty wide open on both of his catches today. And the w- second one, of course, made a lot of damage after the catch. So for him to prove that he is, you know, that weapon, that guy who can make plays with his feet, with the ball in his hands, was another good sight to see. And on top of that, I hear in my notes at least a few times that he was really doing a great job in terms of blocking, like helping extend some plays with his blocking. One that I remember specifically was on the very first drive on uh, Trubisky's read option when he tucked around that ball. A really good play um, by Burton to help spring that one along. Um, Guys, anything else in terms of all these receivers that you want to mention before we move on to the Bears' ground game today? He brought up blocking. There's one play I'm trying to find here in my notes. Uh, Kevin White put on a great Ah, block downfield. Wow. (laughs) That was awesome. So, I mean, even despite him not getting a reception in this game or maybe even a target, I don't even think he got targeted in this one, he's still getting out there and contributing. So that was awesome to see. And he had another one, too, earlier in the game on a Tariq Cohen run as well, getting out there, you know, blocking in space, uh, sealing the edge, allowing Cohen to just zip right past him. So that's two big blocks by Kevin White, someone who, of course, not getting a lot of time, uh, not getting a lot of balls thrown his way, but still willing to put in you know, some of the effort, some of the dirty work that kind of goes unnoticed. So thank you, Brandon, for making sure we didn't forget uh, to give him some shout-outs for that one. But, uh, Will, over to you. And let's kind of transition now to the Bears' ground game today. Were you surprised about how much they used Tariq Cohen over Jordan Howard today? I know some people were. I mean, it was working, so I'm not complaining. But was that something that uh, you anticipated or didn't anticipate or were you fine with? I just want to know your thoughts on it. I didn't anticipate it, but like I mentioned uh, earlier on in the show, the three best Tampa Bay defenders kind of play exactly where Jordan Howard would be operating as a runner. And it's really tough to abandon your bell cow in a game, but when you have a weapon like uh, Tariq Cohen, it makes it a little bit easier to understand. Uh, And I think, especially with the way that Tampa Bay played today, I I imagine Nagy during film saw that they struggled getting from sideline to sideline. They really struggled making tackles in open field. And especially when you have 
as much depletion at the safety level as Tampa Bay did. Guys coming in and making open field tackles like I've harped on already. Open field tackling is one of the hardest things to do in the NFL. If you got a backup, you know, who has to do that? You know, Tariq Cohen's especially a guy that's going to force open field tackles more than anyone else on this Bears roster, except maybe Taylor Gabriel. But, you know, the point still stands. I was I was extremely okay with it because you saw from the get-go exactly how successful that game plan was, exactly how successful that that uh, point of attack was for the Chicago Bears today. Sure. What about you, B? Any takeaways from what the Bears did on the ground? I just kind of want to piggyback off what Will said. I got to give a huge shout out to Nagy and Helfrich for doing the film work and the study to figure that out because I was definitely not anticipating uh, Tree Cohen getting more of the the carries in this one. Uh, but credit credit the coaches for knowing where the weaknesses are, and that's why they ended up using Tariq Cohen in this one a lot more. And even we've seen some jet sweeps from Taylor Gabriel again, uh, something we've seen in week two against Seattle. Uh, those installed in that game plan before they signed Michael Kendricks on to kind of really seal one of those edges, couldn't get to the edges so much in that one. But this one, they did a very good job of making sure their guys got to the edges, whether it be with Taylor Gabriel or Tariq Cohen, did a very good job. So hats off to the coaching staff on figuring that one out. Yeah. I don't have anything further to add. Obviously, the majority of what the Bears did today came through the air, came off the hands of Mitchell Trubisky. So, Brandon, that means I'm going to kick it right back to you for the offensive line. Mr. Trenches, what was your uh, takeaways? Because they did a really decent job of keeping Trubisky clean. You know, Outside that one sack, he had time to let these longer plays develop. And, of course, that paid dividends today. So what did you see? I don't even credit that sack to the offensive line, to be honest. I credit that one to Trubisky because he was trying to get out of the pocket and create something. So I don't even credit the, you know, the offensive line for that sack. They did a very good job of giving him a great amount of time. And part of that comes with the cadence. Uh, like we talked about earlier, they're not timing the jump because they can't, or they're going to get these five yard penalties as we've seen throughout the entirety of the game. So they worked hand in hand together very well. And I thought they did a very good job of keeping the pass rushers uh, for Tampa Bay in check because Trubisky doesn't hit these longer outs if he doesn't have time. And not only did he not have time to, or he did have time to throw the ball, but he had time to step up in the pocket and be able to get uh, some of those longer balls downfield. Because we've seen him sometimes throughout the year throw these longer balls short. Uh, but Trubisky is able to step back, take his three-step drop out of the shotgun. He's got an incredibly clean pocket to work with for the entirety of the game and allows him to step up and hit these passes downfield. So huge, huge shout-out to the offensive line in this one. Uh, Will, I think they were your offensive MVB or maybe the, the MVB for the whole game in this one. Or was your X Factor? I don't remember exactly which one, but they absolutely stepped up when they had to. Not that uh, Tampa Bay has a lot of sack machines out there on defense, but they did a very good job of keeping Trubisky clean. Yeah, I had them being my X Factor for the offensive success in the game preview podcast. Good call there. And obviously, uh, they not that they proved me right, but of course, what they did today really enabled the offense to be as explosive as they were today. Well, I want to go over to you. We saw some rotations of the guards today with, you know, Eric Cush and James Daniels going out there, kind of alternating between, you know, some different series. And then towards the end of the game uh, with Kyle Wong, who has his history with injuries, they're like, okay, James, you can go out there and play some right guard for a while now. But uh, what, what's your take about the Bears uh, alternating these guards? Do you think this is like step one of implementing James Daniels into this offense? Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. I don't think Eric Cush particularly struggled to a point, you know, any further than he struggled to this point in the year. It's not like he took a step down. I don't think he particularly took a step up either, but he it's come to what we'd expect from Eric Cush to this point. But I think something that a lot of uh, Bears analysts have said, it's not that Eric Cush is better than James Daniels. It's just that James Daniels is not ready yet. It's not, He's not ready to play to his potential. He's not ready for the entire NFL game. That's not to say he wouldn't be better than Eric Cush at this point. 
but they just wanted to be ready. And I think this was a good step and a very good game and a very good environment to do that in. You know, that's it's sometimes when you think about bringing young players into a winning environment, you teach them winning early. And that just sustains a winning culture. You know, it, when you get your first reps in a game that you guys are succeeding in and winning in, that kind of makes your job sometimes a little bit easier and being successful within your technique a little bit easier as well, because you're seeing everyone else do it. And that successful environment is just almost like by osmosis, you're, you're uh, channeling it in a way at times, as ridiculous as it sounds. Uh, I really appreciated uh, Daniel's athleticism. I particularly saw one screen where he was able to get out uh, from the interior of the box and just get out and make some really great downfield blocks. That's something that we mentioned from day one that Daniel's would be very good at. Uh, and and he's shown through on that today. And overall, like you mentioned, that rotating of the guards, this is phase one of seeing James Daniels become a permanent starter in Chicago. Yeah, and another one of uh, Daniel's, there's another run with Tariq Cohen where he uh, pulled and was able to steal the edge, allowing Cohen to kind of go around it. So, yeah, that athleticism, it was definitely, you know, on display uh, when he was out there. And if you think, of course, that's exactly why they drafted him to be a part of this offense to contribute in that regard. So definitely, I think it was a strong first outing from James Daniels, one that he can definitely build upon. All right, guys, I before just we want to add real go fast, ahead. go ahead. A couple weeks, we haven't seen a bad snap from White here. Knock on wood if Good you have point. something near yeah. you. Well, right. throw it out there. No, you have to. No, I mean, I gave him some credit, you know, last week. So make sure mm-hmm. now you're following up. So, yeah, uh, that seems to have kind of, uh, you know, calmed down just a little bit, which, of course, keeps, you know, everything in rhythm, uh, the timing correct. And a lot of these plays today, uh, with uh, especially through the air, were timing plays. So for that to uh, stay, you know, on schedule is definitely huge. So, yeah, it's nothing that should go underlooked um, in any means. But, Will, I'm going to go right back to you real quick. Um, any final thoughts on offense? We can go around the horn. On offense overall? Yeah. Did we hit on tight ends a whole lot? A little bit, but if you want to give them some more love, feel free. No, I, I still just want to shout out Trey Burton on that out and up route. That that was just, it was great to see. It was a great development to see that, man, that it was, it's something that I've been looking to see out of this offense. And then to see, uh, to see Mitch Trubisky hit it, that was great. Um, but now that you sent it back to me, uh, I asked a trivia question at the very beginning. When is the last time the Bears have scored more than 24 points in a single quarter? And that you would have to go all the way back to 2012 when the Bears played the Tennessee Titans and drubbed them in almost a similar fashion that they did to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today. They won that game 51 to 20, and they scored 28 points in the opening frame of that game. Uh, if you also remember, Charles Tillman had four forced fumbles within just one game. So, a little bit of Bears history for you. Uh, I'm not in the chat right now, but if you got that one right, hats off to you for knowing your Bears trivia. Yeah, good stuff there, Will. What about you, Brandon? Any final thoughts about the offense? I think this is the first time this season that the Bears have not won the time of possession, which I thought was an absolutely critical point in this game with how good the Tampa Bay offense was coming in. I thought that was one they'd have to win, but they ended up losing that battle. Uh, Tampa Bay had the ball for 31 minutes and 54 seconds. The Bears had it for 28 minutes and 6 seconds. Uh, so I when they were going no huddle early in the game, uh, it really surprised me. I thought that they would want to run the ball a lot more and we wouldn't see so much no huddle and we'd see, you know, more intermediate slants, uh, things of that nature, be able to beat these, these young corners, but they absolutely exploded today. So definitely not complaining that we didn't win the time of possession battle because they didn't need to in this one. And I thought it was definitely going to be a, a critical moment. So I'm glad that they were able to find other ways to win, even with an up tempo offense. I think that this offense is really going to continue to grow and we'll see a lot more, uh, different varieties to win uh, throughout the entirety of the season. Yeah. I mean, no reason to have to win time of possession. Like, okay, I'm going to give you uh, how long each of these scoring drives took first touchdown, 75 yards, 
two minutes, 40 seconds. The next one, 73 yards, three and a half minutes. 77 yards, another two and a half minutes. 73 yards, a minute 46. 70 yards, three minutes. The field goal took two. Another touchdown took 60 yards for 37 seconds. So the Bears offense, they were just, they were able to put up the points um, quickly. The longest drive was actually a seven minute drive, which ended up in a field goal, only went 47 yards. Um, That's of course when the Bears already had a 45 to 10 lead. So they're trying to take the air out just a little bit towards the end of the game. But you know, the Bears, they were able to just, uh, you know, attack and slice up this defense quickly, move down the field, do their business, score the touchdown, get back off, reset, do it again. So kudos for the Bears offense for finding a way to do that. My final thought of the offense, uh, their ability to stay ahead of the sticks today was, uh, you know, uncanny. I think they didn't run a single play behind the sticks until I think that is actually that field goal drive that they had late in the middle halfway through the fourth quarter. I forgot exactly when it was, but that drive. So sometime in the fourth quarter is like when the Bears were behind the sticks for the first time. Very clean, sound game from this offense. All right, that leads us into halftime. So for today's halftime, I want to let you know to give us a call. We're going to have our audio mailbag, of course, coming up early this week. We are in a bye week. Uh, We'll, of course, get some other content as we kind of go through this week. Hopefully plenty of shows still coming your way. Um, But to give us a call to leave your question for us to answer on our audio mailbag, uh, that number is 872-240-4007. And again, I encourage you to just add us to your contacts. That way, you know, you can just quickly call us whenever you have a question throughout the, you know, any time throughout the week. But again, real quickly, our number is 872-240-4007. Give us a call, leave your question, and we'll answer the best questions on this week's audio mailbag podcast. All right, guys, let's enter the third quarter of our show now. And let's talk about this Bears defense that, of course, played lights out today. They were uh, just everywhere, you know, every way that you wanted them to play today against a high-flying Tampa Bay offense. Uh, They just shut them down today. They were able to get to the quarterback. They were able to uh, jam jam these wide receivers, of course, shut down the run. But when the offense does... Uh, puts up as many points as they did, did in that first quarter. Of course, Tampa's going to ditch that run game uh, pretty darn early. But Brandon, over to you. First thought about the Bears' defense today. I was a little nervous at first. Uh, uh, I've got here on the first drive for the Tampa Bay offense. It was the third and ten. There was a pass to Deshaun Jackson sailed over his head. Uh, I guess I'm on the wrong drive here because it's not the play I'm thinking of. But the one where uh, Mike Evans uh, goes to make a, a catch and Kevin Tolliver's there, knocks it out of his hands, and just kind of stands over top of him. And Kyle Fuller immediately goes up to him and goes, don't be doing that, or you're going to get burned later in this game. And hats off to Kevin Tolliver, because I don't think he got majorly burned in this one uh, to a point that I can remember. Uh, still didn't exactly play the the best, but was still able to hold his own out there for the most part. Uh, and again, really just complimentary football on this one. The offense was able to put the pressure on the Bucks early to have to score and force them to have to throw the ball, which is exactly what we said had to happen, make them one-dimensional, which is pretty much what they do anyway. They literally only throw the ball, it seems like. And the Bears' defense is up for the test to be able to defend it. So huge uh, huge shout-out to Vic Fangio for getting them coached up for being able to face you know, really a one-dimensional offense that never had a chance to run the ball, even, even though they didn't even probably game plan for it. Will, what about you? I'm curious your thoughts, especially as a defender. Like, What was your biggest takeaway from a defense that had four sacks, seven quarterback hits, six tackles for a loss, three interceptions, six passes defended, and a forced fumble? A lot of, a lot of positives right there. But what's your biggest takeaway? For, that, for the first half, you mentioned for the Bears how fast they were getting on and off the field and scoring points. Well, the defense was throwing the poor uh, – the Bucks' offense was – 
uh, sorry, the Bears defense was throwing the Bucks defense right back on the field the moment they got their tail whipped uh, on the last drive by uh, Chicago's offense. You know, as a defender, when things aren't going well, you want to be able to just kind of like kind of get your emotions back to ground zero. You're not too high on the high, not too low on the lows. But when you're getting sent back out on the field after two minutes on a scoring drive, that's tough to get your emotions back into the place where you're able to just play good, sound defense. And that's exactly what Chicago's defense did. They got Tampa Bay's offense immediately off the field. There was only one drive in the first half where Tampa Bay had the ball for more than three and a half minutes. You know, that's that's not a lot of time of possession. So they were getting Tampa Bay's offense immediately off the field, and the Bucs defense never got a chance to catch their breath or never got a chance to really figure things out. So that that's, to me, what my biggest takeaway was. You want to look at all the flashy stats, but to me, they were getting Tampa Bay immediately off the field, and that was huge in my opinion. Okay, real quick, what led to them getting off the field so quick? Like, was it just the pass rush, the constant pressure? Like, what was something that led to these quick, you know, three and out drives, even if they were, uh, they got one first down, they shut them down right after? Because you're right. I mean, the first drive for Tampa, a minute and a half. Second was three and a half. Um, another one was only two. I mean, it. they were barely on the field, uh, especially early on. They, of course, took some more time of possession later in this game. But early on, what was leading to the Bears getting off the field so quick? So when you have a high-powered passing offense and when it doesn't go well, all it takes is one drop for your entire offensive like drive to just kind of go in the trash bin. And when you don't have a versatile offense that has a running game that's healthy and can get you in, you know, where you want to be in the sticks, you know, that, that's a problem. They got behind the sticks when they drop a first down pass or you have Chicago Bears defenders like Bryce Callahan, Adrian Amos coming down, making an open field tackle on a screen play. Now you're on second and eight. You know, you throw an incomplete pass that's further down the field to try to convert that that first down. Now you're third and eight, and now you have the pass rush for the Bears. So when you're in an offense that's as high-powered as the Buccaneers that likes to attack down the field, well, if you start denying those options more often, you know, now, you, now it's tough because we mentioned, I think, earlier that this is a longer developing offense. It's a lot of five-step drops out of Fitzpatrick. So you mentioned that pass rush. It's tough for them to want to do exactly what they like to do, but the pass rush that the Bears have. And when you miss any of those opportunities, you get behind in the sticks, and that just gives them all the more fuel to the fire as far as a pass rush. So when you're when you're playing an offense like Tampa Bay, you know, when it's going well, it's going great. But the second that, you know, one one nutter bolt falls off the machine, the whole kind of car falls apart in a lot of ways. And that's what we saw. Now I'm gonna take a sidestep and it's actually like a step backwards because uh, Trubisky just stepped up to the podium. And he said that, uh, quote, about this game, it just felt like a practice this week. That's what we know we could be. So, of course, uh, his confidence is obviously there. And it felt practice, but it seemed like practice today, of course. So just wanted to throw that uh, quote out. But, no, I mean, Will, you're hitting on all the great points about this Bears defense. They were doing everything well. Uh, there really isn't any weaknesses I can even say about this defense. Yeah, a couple times Sean Jackson, you know, was able to bust a big play. He's done that. But for the most part today, uh, the Bears defense uh, took care of business. This Tampa Bay offense scored on average over 30 points per game throughout the first three weeks. They only scored 10 today, seven of which was when the Bears already up over 40 points. So, like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? So let's go ahead and just dive right into our uh, you know positional uh, discussion here. And let's start, with, uh, let's just start with the defensive line. Let's start up front today. So, Brandon, over to you first. Yes, yeah, so Roy Robinson-Harris is a guy, again, who – uh, we've seen make an impact in games, and this is one where he had half a sack in this one. He only had three total tackles, but there were a couple times where he's 
getting pressure up there on Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston throughout the entirety of the game. Uh, he only had half a sack to his credit. He did have one quarterback hit, but he was a guy that I thought was frequently there in the backfield, uh, which is incredibly nice to see because we thought he was a guy. Well, I thought he was a guy. I can't speak for the rest of you, but uh, I thought that he was a guy who mostly just let the game come to him. Didn't do a whole lot of flashy things to be able to get back there in the backfield, but it seemed like I was seeing number 95 back there in the in the backfield more frequently than that. So big shout out to Ray Robertson Harris for having a, a bigger, I guess, breakthrough game than I guess we've seen already. Yeah, no, he actually had a he had a really strong game as well. I think that uh, you know, I hit it pretty well with Blaw Nichols, and I saw here too uh some reporters were in the locker room and one of them was talking to Nichols. Um he said in the play that I was talking about when uh he saw the running back kind of leaking out and just kind of followed him and wrapped him up for a you know a tackle for a loss for a negative one. He said he saw that play on tape and he instantly recognized it and was able to just you know kind of react to it, which for a guy who's only in his fourth game now um, in the NFL, for him to recognize something on tape and then apply it in the game situation is a great sign. But, Will, over to you. Uh, anyone on the defensive line that you want to kind of mention? I saw a couple of splash plays from Jonathan Bullard. Maybe it was just one, but that that's a guy who I think a lot of us have been critical uh, of on the show, and reasonably so. I think he's a guy that was a really good talent that we brought in, in the third round a few years ago, and I, he has not lived up to what his talent was. You know, maybe this is a game I mentioned that kind of culture of success that you start to develop. Maybe this is a guy who's able to start getting some confidence and playing to where he really could be because he has the body. He has the athleticism to really be a terror in the NFL. He just hasn't re- realized that yet. But he showed a couple flashes of that this afternoon, and hopefully he's going to be able to build off that performance going forward. But you guys nailed it. Roy Robertson, Harrison, especially Bilal Nichols, amazing performances. And hopefully young guys that develop into mainstays as the years go on. I'm going to add two two amazing performances uh, since that's where you throw out. Let's not forget Eddie Goldman. He didn't show up in the stat sheet today, but of the 18 carries, it felt like a lot of them had to go outside because Eddie Goldman is soaking up that egg gap up the middle, which is exactly what he's supposed to do. So big shout out to Eddie Goldman, despite not being in the stat sheet. We'll probably get overlooked in this one, but he's out there doing his job as well. Yeah, exactly. Eddie Goldman doing what he needs to do. John Bullard, you mentioned he had that tackle for a loss today, which is a very good one. He had three total tackles on the day. Uh, so he wasn't limited in any regard. Actually, he and uh, Robertson Harris tied with the total sack. I mean, sacks, tackles. But of course, Robertson Harris had that extra half of a sack. Uh, real quickly, you know, Akeem Hicks. He played in the first half a little bit, and he was doing you know Akeem Hicks things, getting good pressure on third down, forcing some early throws. Uh, there was the one where he and Leonard Floyd both got at Fitzpatrick at the same time, was able to get a hit on him, and of course, make an errant throw. A quick hand, he had that sack on Fitzpatrick, which led to a third and 22, which ultimately ended up uh, being a punt. But, of course, he had the ejection. And I don't want to really dwell on this ejection, um, but what did you take from it? Because, I mean, the angle was awful. Couldn't really sell. And I'm not going to say it's a bad call or not. You know, you put your hands on the official, you're going to get kicked out. Do you guys fear that that could lead to a suspension or not? I'm not too keen on the rules, but it is something that has crossed my mind. It's something that I haven't really looked at, I guess, as far as what a suspension would be. And you can't even really tell from the tape, at least that they showed on the broadcast. They showed the angle where they're kind of in the first deck, and when you zoom out, you can see half of the second deck above you. See, so, I mean, you're just so far out, you can't even tell if you put a hands on an official or not, but the official's there. Uh, I do worry it may come to a, a one-game suspension uh, just because you can't see it. But, I mean, I thought it was an odd play for him because in training camp when we were there, uh, him and Kyle Long kind of went at it a little bit, and it was Akeem Hicks who prevailed as the the cooler, calm head. And I figured that'd be something we continue to see, but I don't I don't know what happened down there to be able to make an accurate statement. I guess temper sly, right, Will? 
Right. Um, regardless of what happens, uh, Akeem Hicks has a good history behind him at the very least. So regardless of a suspension, especially with the bye week, he has time to appeal and I think get out of the suspension if it's one game. Uh, and that's even if he gets one. We won't know the full story until Akeem Hicks goes up to the stand, until the official makes his report. Because if you eject someone, I do some officiating as well. Definitely not at an NFL level by any means, of course. I'm here, not at the NFL, right? <laughs> but uh, but I do know my way around uh, some of uh, some officials' tendencies. And uh, they'll they'll talk about it. They'll make a report to the league. Uh, and like you guys mentioned, from the from the view that we had, there's no way we'll be able to tell exactly what happened. So this is one we'll have to wait for the details. But unless Akeem Hicks is threatening this dude's life, I don't think he'll get suspended. Good stuff. All right, let's go ahead and just bounce to uh, the linebackers. And let's begin outside. Khalil Mack, I mean, again, he's just doing Khalil Mack things. The Khalil Mack effect is real. It's alive. It's well. And it's in Chicago. Thank you, John Gruden. Um, but today he had a strip sack, and I feel like I say that every week, and actually we have. So far he has four strip sacks in four weeks, one per game, which ties an NFL record. He's only one of three players ever to do it in the history of the entire NFL, so I'm very glad that he is in Navy and Orange. He is here in Chicago. But, uh, yeah, he did great stuff today. He was just beating guys in multiple ways, uh, either with his speed, with his power. He's lining up all over the field. I mean, I feel like I'm on repeat with Cleo Mack. I'm trying to think of new things to say that I haven't, but it's just, you know, same old, same old, which is not a bad thing because he's just been playing at an elite level all season long. But uh, let's go to Brandon first. Outside linebackers, biggest takeaways? Yeah, I'll just touch on Cleo Mack. I mean, he's just incredibly crafty. I mean, he knows that if he's got a tight end lined up next to him or his offensive tackle, he knows he's getting double teamed. And we even seen him break through a triple team. Uh, once or twice in this one as well. And not only did he get to Fitzpatrick, but he got to Jameis Winston as well. Uh, got his hand on Winston's arms. He threw that ball and forced, uh, well, he didn't force danger right the night, the interception, but it made it real easy for him. Uh, so, I mean, Cleo Mack, just regardless what quarterback's back there, apparently you can put either one, either three quarterbacks, I guess, whatever you have out there, and Cleo Mack's going to find a way to let them know that he is in the game. So big shout out to him. And even to, to Aaron Lynch in this one, he, I didn't really notice his impact till later in the game. Uh, but something we we heard throughout all the training camp was, was finish, finish, finish. And Aaron Lynch came away with an interception in this one as well. Uh, he makes the catch and then brings the ball down one-handed, which made me a little nervous because I thought he dropped it. Uh, but regardless, I mean that he's despite being up forty-eight to ten at that point, still uh, he is not letting off the gas, which I think is absolutely huge and something we're going to see uh, obviously from the rest of this defense as they didn't allow very many points, uh, you know, at all throughout this game, especially when they're up forty-five to three. I mean, they were still putting their foot down on the gas pedal, wanting to go, wanting to go. And I think uh, after giving up 14 points to a weak Arizona offense last week, they wanted to come out and shut down a Tampa Bay offense that was prolific coming into it, and they did absolutely that. And a lot of it came from the pressure on the outside linebackers. Even Leonard Floyd had a pretty good day today. Yeah, Leonard Floyd was showing up as well in that department. He also had that uh, nice pass deflection when he went way up to knock that ball down. So to read the eyes uh, – and, you know, jump and anticipate was a very good play by Leonard Floyd. But what about you, Will? Uh, outside linebackers, what do you got? Yeah, to kind of carry on what Brandon was saying, Aaron Lynch is a guy who, even when I broke down outside linebackers with the guys, uh, when we were doing the preseason preview for camp, you know, he's a guy who doesn't exactly wow you physically. I mean, he's aside from being an, impo- an imposing man from weight and size. But, <laughs> but either way, He's a guy who on film, none of his sacks were because he had a great spin move or a great, you know, jump off the ball. He's a hustle player. 
And that's exactly what we saw today. He just outworks people on a lot of plays, which is tough to do from an NFL level. You got guys as talented as they are, you know, on the offensive tackles. It's not easy to outwork somebody and out hustle somebody, but that's exactly what a person like Aaron Lynch does. You know, injuries aside, he's had a pretty good start to the year, especially from all of us saying that maybe he should get cut. You know, this is another case of, you know, Ryan Pace, Vic Fangio, knowing exactly what they have on that roster. Ryan Pace knowing exactly what he wanted to go out and acquire. And he's uh, so far, Aaron Lynch has been showing exactly what he is. Yeah, I love where he is in his rotation. I love that, you know, you have Mac, you have Leonard Floyd, and then you have Aaron Lynch, the hustle guy, which if you bring him in, you spell him out, say halfway through a drive when the offensive line is getting a little bit worn down. That's exactly when he can come out there and beat some guys because when you're worn down and you have a full motor and you have all the energy in the world, that's when you can go beat a guy. But say if he had to be our starter and we didn't have a Cleo Mac, you wouldn't see that as much. So I, I just really like where he is in this Bears uh, rotation. And speaking of the rotation, it appears it may have gotten a little bit thinner. Uh, Sam Macho yeah. has a pec injury. Uh, we'll kind of, of course, keep you updated throughout the week here. Um, if the Bears give us any updates, we'll definitely pass along to you. Of course, next man up would probably be Isaiah Irving or uh, Fitz, but I'm assuming that might be Irving, but let's not go there yet. We'll kind of hold off. But no, I think outside linebackers, Brandon, like you said, were very pivotal uh, for this Bears defense of limiting what Tampa was able to do because especially with Fitzpatrick, um, just gave him really no time early on to do much of anything, um, which of course kind of limited that magic that he had throughout the first three weeks. But let's go ahead and bounce inside here. Uh, Trevathan, Smith, we saw Kulkowski out there for a little bit when uh, Trevathan wanted to go off, but just for the most part, I want to know what you saw from this unit and how they did. Let's go back to Will. Uh, for the most part, I think you saw a really good performance. When they did run, they they made them one-dimensional. You had the linebackers flying up and making plays, but they assisted in the pass game as well, making sure that those intermediate routes weren't available to Ryan Fitzpatrick if they just wanted to be able to move the chains. And then additionally, I think there was only one occasion where you saw a little bit of uh, passing off guys too early to the safeties in the secondary Uh for the most part, there was really good communication, making sure that no intermediate routes got uh, passed off too early to the safeties. They did a really good job limiting what this Tampa Bay offense likes to do, and that's progress footballs down the field and kind of capitalize on those lapses in coverage. Didn't see that at all today. They did a phenomenal job from everything I saw. Obviously, the pick from Danny Trevathan stands out. There was a number of TFLs where there were two or three guys in the backfield, one of them being a linebacker. Roquan Smith, again, was flying around and utilizing uh, his athleticism best and covering a lot of space in a short time. I think you saw a little bit from everyone today. Yeah, everyone pitched in, did what they had to do. They had a quiet game overall as a unit, but that's because Tampa was really trying to attack the outside, attack the boundary in terms of the passing game, which is why you see Kevin Tolliver here leading the team with the seven tackles. Um, but Brandon, over to you. I think this is a perfect segue to kind of transition over to the Bears secondary. They had a very tough task today. They had Deshaun Jackson, you know, Mike Evans, Adam Humphreys, uh, you know, Chris Godwin as well was playing very well heading into this game. Why or how or just your thought about how they were able to match up against some of these guys? First of all, the inside guys, I mean, did a very good job of limiting the tight ends. Cameron Brait had three receptions for 29 yards. He had the one touchdown, which was the 16-yarder, as longest on the day. So you eliminate that one. He doesn't even really have that great of a day. O.J. Howard went 0 for 3 today, uh, targeted three times, no catches. So inside linebackers did a very good job of keeping the tight ends uh, at bay in this one. But then also uh, inside guys, just being able to communicate. You've seen a lot of times them going up to the defensive line saying, hey, you know, you've got this side, you know, whatever. Being able to turn around, like uh, Will said, uh, sometimes they're handing guys off a little too early, but that just comes with experience. They know 
uh, you know, from the next one, okay, I got to hold on to him just a little bit longer. And there was one play that Deshaun Jackson had over the middle where Fitzpatrick fit the ball right between Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, and Jackson was able to make some some yards after the catch on that one. But again, that comes down to something we heard frequently on the broadcast was if there's one in front of you, there's one behind you. And that's something that the, the linebackers have to be able to communicate with the safeties is, I guess, which guy is going to take who at what point. And I guess they did really all they could do on that play just off the top of my head as far as I can remember. But the secondary in general, uh, I was, like I said earlier, I was real nervous about uh, Kevin Tolliver because uh, the first pass to Mike Evans was incomplete. Kevin Tolliver is there to bat it out of his hands. and he's Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com stands over top of him like no not today and Kyle Fuller comes up to him and goes uh you better knock it off uh, and Kevin Tolliver ended up leading the team today with seven tackles which tells me that they they picked on him and they did uh, and I think that was kind of what we all expected going into this one but I thought he held his own for the most part I don't know what you guys thought but uh, Kevin Tolliver is a guy that held his own and from the beginning the first play from scrimmage I have the Bucks throwing a screen pass and Bryce Callahan was right there and I thought that really set the tone for the whole defense I mean Bryce Callahan he's been doing that all season long there's a bu- quick bubble screen to the outside he's you know, reading, he's reacting, he's flying in there and just making the tackle for a loss, limiting that play from, you know, ever even starting. He's been doing that really all year. And, you know, that's why I really am a fan of a Bryce Callahan. But yeah, you talked about Kevin Tolliver, and that's the reason why I had him as my X factor for the Bears defense heading into the preview. Because like you said, uh, he was uh, the biggest question mark we had. We knew Tampa was going to kind of go after him and just how, you know, impactful was that going to be? Well, again, Tampa only scored 10, seven of which came in garbage time. He did a damn good job because he didn't allow, you know, maybe he kept things in front of him, fine. But for the most part, uh, he didn't really allow anything behind him, which is exactly what we wanted. I thought they were going to test him early and often, you know, deep down the sidelines. Didn't happen. Uh, I think the front seven may have had a thing or two to do about that. Um, But no, you know, Kevin Tolliver today really, you know, stepped up for Prince of Mukamara, and I was glad of what I saw out of him. And it gives me some confidence. You heard on the broadcast that Big Fangio has confidence in Tolliver, which, of course, is the case because he's out there this week. And I know, you know, Marcus Cooper's hurt, but I think we all would want Tolliver out there anyway in his place. Yes. Um, but for Vic Fangio to have so much, you know, confidence in a undrafted free agent, which, you know, in the past – Rookies is something that Vic Fangio he's had to work with here in Chicago. Um, so for him to kind of gauge where he's at mentally, um, and to have that confidence in him now, I think it's really huge for the future of this Bears secondary. He's gonna be a very solid corner uh, as he kind of grooms him uh, underneath some of these other guys like a Mukamara. But will over to you, uh, Bears secondary. I mean, this is a team that's coming away with some interceptions. But what do you have to bring up about the secondary? Before I get to the secondary, uh, not only are the Bears at the stand, but so are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. And just a quote that came from head coach Dirk Cutter, uh, quote, we should fire everybody that was on the fit that field today, starting with me. That was horrific. So a little <laughs> bit of a juicy nugget for us Bears fans to feast on. It's no uh, it's no crown them or they are who we thought they were, um, but still a good one. Nonetheless, uh, when it comes to the secondary, though, they played they played really well. Will mentioned that the front seven has a lot to do with their success overall, whether it was a ball being thrown before the quarterback, whether it be Fitzpatrick or Winston was ready. They were aggressive today. They were breaking on balls. They were even that long pass to Deshaun Jackson that uh, Tolliver 
more or less got burned on. That was a really tight window to fit that ball in. I mean, even if it was even tighter coverage, I'm not sure you can defend that. You can't defend the perfect pass. But overall, very solid outing. You saw mostly everyone do a really good job. Uh, the the focus was on Tolliver, obviously, but let's not forget that Mike Evans is one of the best receivers in the NFL, and Kyle Fuller almost took him off the stat sheet completely. Yeah, I that think was, he had I think he had one catch for five yards at halftime. I believe you're correct on that, and he didn't have a whole lot more in the second half either. No, no, not one bit. Uh, Eddie Jackson, you know, he had another interception today. Uh, oh, if, so if, if you're looking, I'm at, glad you brought that up. I purposely didn't bring it up because I wanted one of you other guys to do it. Oh, well, you're throwing me a bone. Right. Wow. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Eddie Jackson. Hey, no one brought this up. So I want to talk about it. He had an interception today. Uh, and if you go back to last week, of course, he had one against us back to back games where Eddie Jackson's coming away with the interception. And if you actually want to look at further, he did have a, th- a second last week. So it could have been three. But Dan Khalil Mack was offsides. That guy. I mean, he's ruining that one. Well, he ruined the scoreline for a lot of people, too. A bunch of my buddies at college said, he ruined my scoreline. I lost $10. <laughs> oh, Cleo Mack, he just destroys things. Offenses, quarterbacks, <laughs> game plans. Wallet. Yeah, exactly. In more ways than one. <laughs> That's true. But, uh, no, all kidding aside, guys, uh, you know, Eddie Jackson, he's really growing into a really sound safety. Last year he had splashes and he played really well. I think as we're taking his game to the next level here, he's, you know, playing center field. He's breaking up passes. He's making great tackles also in a running game with the run support. He's playing just everywhere. It seems like 39 is around the ball, which is very exciting to see here in Chicago. So for me, Eddie Jackson is a big takeaway. Well, you kind of took, uh, took a little bit from me when you talked about Kyle Fuller because I didn't have a lot from him in my notes besides he made a really good play in uh, run coverage when it was a paucity outside. He just bur- barreled right in there, was able to make that open field tackle, and, of course, just limit it. And I thought that was a really aggressive play by him, the one that I liked. That's really all I had. So, for yeah, secondary did a great job today against a very prolific offense. But, of course, they were helped out by the front seven, which – Goes back to Will's knack earlier in the game, uh, well, post game show, uh, which is, of course, complimentary football, not just happening between offense and defense, but also from different units on, say, defense. Uh, the front seven helping out the secondary and vice versa. So for the Bears to do that, of course, is huge. And I just want to point out the Bears now have eight interceptions, which I think matches their season highs for like the last like three years each. Uh, and they have it now through four games. And on top of that, uh, eight interceptions, I think, come from seven different players, which only Eddie Jackson being the only one to have multiple interception, interceptions. So, of course, everyone's pitching in here in this regard. So the Bears' defense, no matter which way you slice it, is finding a way to uh, get it done, which brings me to my final question here. And this is going to be our final thoughts for the defense. Is this defense now elite? Have they reached that level? Because they have played very well. They have done you know everything that they have needed to do. They pretty besides one bad quarter of football week one, uh, that fourth one against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, uh, they've been very lights out. And this was a statement game in my regards because Tampa Bay came in averaging over 30 points per game, only held them to 10. I'm not going to mention that the seven points came in garbage time for the third time, but I just did. But, Will, I'm going to go to you first. Have they made their statement? Are they now going to be considered an elite defense, a top three in the league? They might be considered an elite defense, but I, I'm not going to quite give them the elite tag until we see them against the Patriots. You you want to be an elite defense, shut down the best in the game, and that's going to be their chance to do it. So got to give me a few weeks before I give them the official elite tag. I think they are one of the best defenses of the NFL. I think after four games, it's not a fluke that they're this good. Um, 
but I think it's elite is a word we throw around a lot. And in Chicago, if a defense is playing well, you want to just round that up. Like, yeah, Chicago always has been an elite defense for the most part. You know, of course they're elite, but I got to wait a little bit first before I give them the final elite designation. And for me, that is going to come against Tom Brady. You make a very solid point there. You know, and if you want to be the best, beat the best. What about you, B? Uh, elite through the first quarter of the season, sure. Uh, like you said, aside from the one quarter uh, against Green Bay, I, they've played extremely lights out. And I don't, I'm, I'm with you. It's definitely a statement game. Uh, I wanted to say it first, but you beat me to it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, this defense is definitely doing a lot of the right things. And I think even if a guy like Sam Acho, who's a rotational player, role player, misses some time with his pec injury. I mean, there's other guys who want to get in there because they want to see how much fun this defense is having, creating turnovers, getting after the quarterback, things of that nature. So uh, the the environment is there, the culture's there, and they're definitely playing like they want to be in that top three. So like I said, got to beat the best to be the best. I'll tell you what, I have them on a, at least half of my fantasy teams, and they've been, you know, they've been working out quite <laughs> well to this point, which is a whole different discussion. But uh, all right, so my final thought on defense uh, – it's a simple sentence. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, don't take this bye week. You can take it to you know make adjustments in terms of things you think are going to improve this defense. Um, but you know, don't fix what ain't broke because right now they've been playing very very sound football on the defensive side. All right, brothers, it's time to head into the fourth and final quarter, and let's go ahead and begin with our quick hit on special teams, a unit that we didn't have to see too much of today. So what we've been doing for this is just going around the horn, just sharing one. And I think that's going to be definitely viable here. So right back to Brandon, uh, what's your special teams takeaway? I kind of want to take something from Pat O'Donnell, but he didn't do a whole lot out there. So I'll leave that one to you. Uh, but we finally seen a, a kickoff return from Benny Cunningham. I think that's the first one all year. I think we've seen. So uh, like I said, with the, it's starting to get a little cooler up there in Chicago, as around the, the league as well as fall starting to come on us here. Uh, we're going to see uh, some more kick returns with the air getting thicker. And uh, Benny Cunningham didn't quite get it to 25, but uh, seen a window and took advantage of it and got us pretty close. So I uh, hope to see that unit continue to improve if we get some chances. All right. What about you, Will? Uh, I wanted to say something about Pat O'Donnell. He, he's going to get two bye weeks in a row, man. Yeah, I mean, that's when it. They- he walked out, and he, they're like, this is the second time he's been out today. I'm like, this is it's the end of the third quarter. Exactly, yeah. He has he wasn't needed. He, he punted oh. once. Uh, I think that was the Bears' uh, second drive. And then he didn't punt again until, like you said, the tail end of the third quarter. And that was it. So, Yeah, exactly. I was thinking, uh, I was like, well, I mean, at this rate, why don't we just have Mitch learn how to pooch kick a little bit while we're at it? <laughs> or, or Chase Daniel. Let's have a little bit of fun here, I guess. Oh, speaking um, but- of fun, real quick, uh, that two-quarterback system that they yeah! had. Yeah! That was interesting. We didn't even mention that. Uh, and they, uh, Matt Nagy said in the postgame, they called that uh, Willy Wonka. Interesting. <laughs> you know what's really funny to me is that they were so – the defense on that play was so concerned about the middle. They got all trapped up in the box when Taylor Gabriel ran around the outside. But I was kind of looking at him like, who are they going to hand it off to in the middle? <laughs> Chase Daniel or Trubisky keeps it himself on a lead quarterback dive with Chase Daniel as the lead blocker? I'm like, what are you guys thinking? Yeah, and I saw, too, a few different Buccaneers kind of bite uh, after they tossed it up to you know Gabriel on a little fake – you know handoff over to Daniels as well. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Oh, it's fine though. I'm not going to complain. That was fun yeah, to see. And, and they tried doing it once and then they got, you know, Kyle false Long had the false start Kyle and then they did yeah. it again. So it, yeah, it was an interesting play call. So yeah, Willie Wonka was the name of that. But uh, real quickly, my special teams takeaway, 
Uh, just, you know, hat tip to Cody Parkey today because, yes, two for two, and he hit a long one today from 50 as well. Uh, so for him, continuing to build that confidence uh, this season, uh, he's proven to be a really good kicker. You know, one miss so far this season is something I can definitely live with, especially if you don't have a short memory and you know what we had to deal with, you know, the past few seasons here in Chicago ever since Robbie Gold left. Um, Connor Barf. He had to go there. <laughs> he had to go there. Yeah, well. Yes. Okay. And then six, <laughs> and six for six from extra points. I mean, he was busy today. Like, you know, don't look at the two field goals, you know, you know, deter you. I mean, six for six extra points is no easy task at Soldier Field. He did either. not have an early bye week. He did not. He was busy. Um, he was putting up all the ones. Yeah, right. Okay. All right, guys. I want to know, grade the game. I feel like this is a very easy one uh, to do. Let's go right back to Will. What do you got? How many pluses are we permitted? Uh, unlimited. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm still in school. I only get to see one plus ever. So, uh, and usually it's after a B, but I'll give him an A plus for this game. Not a whole lot more you can ask out of this team. Uh, it was a great win. I'm not sure if I'd go as far to say it's a statement win, but a great win against a team that was red hot, especially on offense. You know, the Bears shut them down. To me, this was almost equivalent to when uh, Michael Vick had the, the Philadelphia Eagles rolling kind of on his comeback tour. And then they came to Soldier Field late in the 2010 season. Everyone's like, Michael Vick's going to light up the Bears' defense, and then they came out and had a really good game, and the offense came to play there as well. We saw kind of that first showing of complimentary football, and we saw exactly what that 2010 team did playing complimentary football down the stretch of the year. It's the last time they won the division, and they made it pretty far in the playoffs as well. This might be a similar place where you saw a red-hot team come into Soldier Field, and the Bears absolutely shut them down with a complimentary football win. So that, to me, uh, is where I'm at with that. All right. What about you, B? What's your grade? Kind of with Will, the only time I really seen a plus was after a B. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going to give it, give it two A pluses here. Uh, take that as you will, two pluses, two A's, and a plus, or however you want to add that up. But two A pluses here because I, just everything clicked today, and it was beautiful football. Just They didn't play conservative once they got up by so much, which was something I was concerned about about midway through the second quarter. Because uh, we've seen that in week one, they kind of got conservative with the play calling a little bit, I think. Uh, so it was nice to see them just keep stomping on the gas, uh, really put their foot on their throat, finish the game off. And I think that's something that, you know, we'll touched on earlier, uh, learning how to win. And that's exactly what they did here. They finished the game out. Uh, so two A pluses for finishing the game out, uh, just really playing lights out all around. Absolutely. For me, I'm going to go A++++, which was one of the options that I gave Bears fans as well. <laughs> Both sides of the ball gets two pluses for me. I mean, you put up 48 points, your quarterback throws for t- six touchdowns, five and a half. Your defense only gives up 10 points, so the offense is scoring over 30, uh, which is picking apart every defense that they face so far this season and just completely shut them down. Like No matter which side of the spectrum you kind of want to look at this game, the Bears did absolutely everything perfect in the way to come away uh, for this victory. So for Trubisky to have the game that he did, uh, for the Bears defense to collectively have the kind of outing that they did as well, uh, I mean, we've hit it all in this postgame show. No, nothing I can actually bring further to the table but other than they came out here, they had a mission. Uh, the mission was to go 3-1 and one into the bye week. And by golly, we're 3-1 and one and we're heading into the bye week. We took down Tampa Bay uh, now here. So, yeah, A++++. plus plus plus. Plus, and just want to give you some of the reports here from Twitter in terms of this grade. Uh, here are the options I gave fans. I gave them A plus 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 plus, A plus plus plus, A plus plus, and A plus. Eighty-four uh, percent of fans, which was eighty-five, which I was upset. Now we're down to eighty-four. Uh, gave it the top one with all the pluses, and then 
everyone eventually gave it an A, 100% A's. So don't have to worry about that. Good. Absolutely. (laughs) All right, guys. Let's go ahead and just close out the show with our two-minute warning. So this is where we wrap up our thoughts on the game, put things into a season-long perspective moving forward. So, yes, the Bears are 3-1, and heading into the bye. What's your two-minute warning? And let's go to Brandon first. I'm going to take this moment to take the Lovey Smith approach and just look at the first quarter of the the season this year. Uh, this was the biggest win of all of them, I think. Uh, before the season came, we did the the schedule release predictions, and I said this was uh, this would be one of the quarters where they really struggled, just because new coach, new offense, they're just going to kind of struggle, and it's going to be a learning curve. Well, they've proven me wrong. Uh, aside from the Green Bay game, I mean this this defense has well, this offense has been kind of. Yeah, here and there we've seen some flashes, uh, but once Nagy realized that Trubisky seems a little overwhelmed, we kind of talked things out. Uh, I thought simplifying the playbook in this one wouldn't really work to their advantage, but boy was I wrong, and I'm glad I was wrong. Uh, defense throughout the entirety, aside from the one quarter that we talked about already, has played extremely, extremely well, and I think that's a trend we're going to continue to see because when one guy makes a play, we see that everybody wants to make a play. That comes up in the sack numbers, the interception numbers, uh, I mean, we're not really allowing teams to run the ball, which is absolutely great. It makes them be one-dimensional. And this one, we've seen the offense play complimentary football and really put pressure on Tampa Bay early, put up a lot of points early, especially in that second quarter, forced them to have to be able to come back, and they just couldn't do it because the Spurs defense wants to continue to make plays. So as long as they continue to follow that formula, I think we're going to see a lot of success for the remaining three quarters of the season. Good stuff, B. Over to Will. What's going to be your two-minute warning? Confidence versus complacency as we uh, continue on this year. I think this was a very confidence-enriching game. I think the fact that the Bears are 3-1, and one, they're going to be at the top of the division at the end of this week. I think that gives you a ton of confidence. You know what you can do. Now, are you going to stay confident and keep working towards that goal, or are you going to get complacent with your record? And that's tough for a young team to deal with. You know, I think the Bears got complacent in that first game against Green Bay. They had a very good first half, and then they kind of took their foot off the gas. So we're going to see throughout the rest of this year whether they stay confident or whether they get complacent. So that that's where my two-minute warning is going to go. I'd like, Of course, we all think that, and we all want them to stay confident, but we'll see. Young team, we're going to – we'll see how mature Trubisky is. We'll see how much that first year, you know, what, how much losing stung compared to how much uh, winning is fun. You know, we'll see uh, if he's able to – use that past experience to help keep his team hungry and lead the troops forward from here on out. Good stuff. So for my two minute warning, I am having a hard time wrapping my head around this entire game. So we've been talking for over an hour and I still can't believe what I saw. I mean, honestly, when's the last time we saw that? I don't think we have, and I don't even know how to, you know, put that into thought, put that into emotion because it's, it's great. It's fantastic. And it's something that you know, we haven't even seen anything remotely close to that over the years. You know, for the first time since 2013, the Bears have won three games in a row. For the first time uh, in a long time, the Bears have eight interceptions. And the games and the season's not even over. We're only one quarter away through this season. So this, the defense is on the rise. The offense is taking steps forward. Um, I believe Mitchell Trubisky actually said it best during his postgame presser today. Uh, and the quote is, hopefully this is something that I can look back on and say, this is where it all started. I think that is exactly the kind of, you know, mindset that I want him to have. And I think as fans, I I think we think the same thing. I think we want to look at this game and look back at it and go, this is a game that, you know, this modern era of Bears football, the one that we can be proud of, one that kind of brings us back to relevancy, kind of began. 
We can you know, a huge coming out party. Obviously, Mitchell Trubisky is not going to throw for six touchdowns each and every game. Uh, he never had one uh, more than two heading into, uh, you know, this game. And a couple weeks ago, he didn't have more than, uh, you know, a game with one touchdown or more. So for him to, you know, take those steps in the past couple of weeks, it's been growth. And I think growth is going to continue to be the key. Heading into the bye week, uh, remaining hungry, not getting overconfident. Um, and, of course, just keep on the work ethic that they've been doing because we've seen this team grow from week one to week four, and we're in a good spot to continue to grow and succeed along the way. And if you can do, do both of those things at the same time, 2018 can end up being a very special season here for Chicago. So for me, for this Bears, you know, take this game, uh, be proud of it, you know, take a day to celebrate it, you know, put in a lot of hard work this week. It paid off. Let's do it again. I'm sure they see this. They got a really, you know, good taste in their mouth. And, you know, as bears, you know, being predators, hopefully this taste is something that uh, they want to acquire yet again here in the future. It's really cool to be on this side of a blowout, you know, victory, a blowout game, because we started this podcast in 2015. I can't, you know, I can probably count and I can probably go through all the games that we had. We're on the complete opposite side of it. I don't want to. That's in the past. We're in the future. And I think a game like this proves that the future is now here in Chicago uh, for, you know, every way for this defense, for this offense. Uh, there's a lot of key core components here, and I'm excited to see how it all comes together throughout the rest of this. this well, of course, yeah, this season. I just want to throw out real quick, too, before you wrap the whole thing up. Go for it. The last time that I can remember since we started this podcast that we were on the right side of a blowout was the Jeremy Langford coming out and inevitably fading away game when then St. <laughs> yeah. Louis Rams, uh, we beat them, I think it was 37 to 13. That's the only one that I can think of that we were on the right side of a blowout like this. So when consider the Bengals game a blowout. Yeah. Bengals yeah. game last season. There's not a lot. I'm, I'm trying this my hardest different. to remember. I even had to dig back to 2015. It's like there had to be one prior to, you know, but I didn't even think about the last two years just as sad as it's been. Yeah, so I'm not even so bring it up because there's so much poison within that John Fox like ending portion. Why are we talking like, about him right now? I'm not. <laughs> We're moving on. <laughs> Matt Nagy. He has Matt a three and one Bears team. Uh one point away. Again, one point away. One drop Kyle Fuller interception. One bad fourth quarter meltdown away from a four and zero start here in Chicago. So again, I know our record is what it is. It's three and one, and I'm fine with that record. I'm ecstatic about that record. But just know the Bears were, you know, this close from starting the season four and zero. And I know four and zero sounds a lot better than three and one, but by golly, three and one sounds pretty damn great as well. So enjoy this week. Enjoy the victory week. Enjoy your victory Monday. I'm gonna call this an episode. So I hope you really enjoyed this post game podcast as well. I want to thank you all who are here watching live. At some times I saw over 500 people here, which I know there's plenty of other football on the TV as well. So I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. And of course, to the thousands of podcast listeners around the entire world, thank you for tuning in as well. This is the bye week, like I mentioned. So I expect plenty of content still coming your way. So don't think that we're going to take the week off. Uh, and of course, one last you know call to action here to get your voice heard in our podcast with our audio mailbag that'll be coming up here in a couple of days. Give us a call at 872-240-4007 and let us know your thoughts about this game, any questions you have about the Bears heading into the bye week and beyond. But until next time, enjoy again, enjoy your victory Monday because it's going to be a great one. And of course, bear down, Chicago.
Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.